and welcome to the Real Europe podcast. I'm Sean Qureshi, a legal analyst in our London office. On this week's episode, distressed debt analyst Rob Summers will be taking us through Bopan's results, and reporter Beatrice Mavroleon will be discussing recent developments on the primary loan market. The primary loan market has been busy so far this year, and Reorg Debt Explained will be discussing the findings of a primary leverage loan survey at a panel event in London on July the 2nd. Be on the lookout for an invitation to the event in the next weeks. Beatrice, please can you give us a recap of the new leveraged loan issuances in the past two weeks? While the high-yield bond market has been quiet, we have seen greater activity on the loan side. In the market now, we have the Berry deal, which is a $4.2 billion equivalent term loan B split between euros and dollars, which is being used to, re- to finance U.S. Pl- plastics manufacturer Berry's acquisition of U.K.-based packaging company RPC. There's also a 1.45 billion euro loan for Spanish low-cost telecoms company Masmovil, which will refinance 890 million euros of the group's debt and help repurchase a 883 million euro convertible bond from private equity firm Providence. Meanwhile, turnaround, turnaround consultants Alex Partners are marketing a $390 million equivalent term loan B denominated in euros, and German medical diagnostics company Amidis is marketing a debt package that includes a 420 million euro term loan B and a 75 million euro revolving credit facility. British TV production and distribution company All Free Media is also marketing a 400, 400 euro million, million euro loan. And port operator Euroports has come to the market with a package including a 315 million euro seven year term loan B an eight-year second lien of 105 million euros and a 70 million six-year revolving credit facility. But among the most complicated and interesting deals is probably the unsuccessful Iron Corporates loan package. Right, so can you please recap what happened on the Iron Corporates loan deal? It has had a number of iterations because investors were unable to get comfortable with the terms of the deal and the underlying financial technology company. When it first came to market, it was known as the Open Link deal, which was about 300 million euros of term loan B and was marketed at, at Eurobor plus 400 basis points with a 1% floor and a 99.25 OID. Investors were concerned about the lack of transparency around the use of proceeds, so the deadline for commitments from lenders was extended from March 22nd to later that month. But then the deal fell apart because they couldn't get investors on board, and they increased the amount from 310 million euros to a 2.21 billion dollar equivalent refinancing that brought together Iron Subsidiaries, Triple Point, and Wall Street Systems, as well as OpenLink. Okay, interesting. So, how did the investors respond to that deal? There was still some hesitation regarding the use of proceeds, and the company was planning a distribution of $250 million, which some investors described as a dividend through the back door. There was also talk of an acquisition, but there was insufficient clarity around this, although later it emerged that the company is acquiring Acuris. Meanwhile, Moody's rated the issue B3, and S&P's rating of the triple point subsidiary was triple C, making it hard for CLOs to invest. So there were delays, and the deadline for lender commitments was extended to April 30th, and then again to last week because of negotiations between investors and the arrangers of the deal. Okay, so what can you tell me about the negotiations? What, what was under negotiation? 
Um, there were changes to margins. Um, the borrower introduced um, the two shorter dated tranches in each currency in response to demand for this from investors. And there were many concessions obtained by investors, including the introduction of a quarterly lender call, changes to the most favored nation clause, changes regarding amortization, cash sweeps, asset sales, restricted payments, and un unrestricted subsidiaries. They also tightened the incremental facility language and mandatory prepayment language. They capped pro forma cost savings that could be added to EBITDA. They put in a required quarterly lender call, and they reduced the soft call. This was consistent with the trend for investors successfully pushing back on aggressive covenants, which we have seen on a number of recent deals. And in the end, they also had to remove the $250 million dividend, bringing the amount being raised down to $1.96 billion from $2.21 billion previously. Okay, but was that still not enough to increase investor interest? Last week, it seemed like a deal might finally be struck and the, and the loan would price, but the arrangers attempted to claw back some of the margins by introducing a margin ratchet at the last minute, which took investors by surprise and ultimately scuppered the deal. It was announced at the end of the day yesterday that, that the transaction, at least in its current form, had been scrapped. Now, it's possible that the deal will be struck with a small group of investors rather than on the wider market as they, as they were attempting to do. Thanks, Beatrice. Now, Rob, Boparan's 2021 notes are currently trading just below 70. What's going on? Hi, Sean. The British meat producers' senior notes due in July 2021 have come under pressure as asset sales have weakened EBITDA generating capacity and the company's operational turnaround has yet to materialize. The group has used the asset sale proceeds to pay down its 2019 notes and a gap between the 19s and the 21s has widened, with the 19s trading at around 99 compared with about 69 for both the sterling and euro 21 notes. The question is whether, with the clock ticking, the company will be able to improve its EBITDA so that it can delever and refinance. Okay, based on those trading prices, it seems like the market is skeptical. I think that's right. Boparan has sold key assets such as its Goodfellas pizza brand, which has contributed to a decline in EBITDA. While LTM EBITDA to the end of January was £100 million, on a like-for-like -like basis, which accounts for the disposals, this shrinks to £77.3 million. Further, the company's performance has been disappointing, with management expecting that the chilled and branded segments will continue to face challenges over the remainder of the current financial year that ends in July. The company faces recurring input cost pressures and looming regulatory risks. For example, in its second quarter, UK feed inflation increased 12% year-over-year, and there is the possibility of future penalties such as those imposed when the company was found to have violated food safety regulations in 2017. More recently, on the topic of Brexit, management said it is concerned about five areas – tariffs, borders, regulation, exchange rates in the labour market – and it is stocking up in preparation for a potential hard Brexit. Great. So can you talk us through your updated water waterfall model on uh, Boparan? While our upside case sees 2021 note holders recovering at par, this comes with a thin equity cushion of £21 million. By contrast, our base case has the bonds recovering at 57.7%, while our downside case yields a 20.1% recovery. Note that these figures assume that the group's £265 million net pension scheme deficit ranks alongside the bonds. The company, therefore, has to dramatically turn around its operations within the next year and a bit to tackle its maturity wall. 
But whether it can do so is unclear. Compounding this uncertainty is that any trading during the company's next financial year, which starts in late July, will only be communicated to the market when the company hosts its full year or first quarter earnings calls, which are likely to take place in November or December. As a result, investors will likely be in the dark with respect to the prospects of a turnaround until about six months before the refinancing deadline. Okay, so if the performance of the company does not materially improve, how do you see this playing out? Creditors will need to reassess their expectations of Boparan's future performance before deciding whether to agree to amend and extend the bonds or to pursue a larger debt restructuring that involves a debt-for-equity swap. This will largely come down to estimates of forward EBITDA. For example, with about £600 million of current debt, if investors believe that the company's EBITDA will grow back to at least the £120 mark if given some extra time, then they may back an amend and extend. This assumes that the company will be able to grow back into a five times total leverage multiple. However, if performance stays at current levels, a restructuring that wipes out at least some of the company's debt is more likely. Okay, so what about the company's lenders? Are they supportive? That's an interesting question. We know that a seller is trying to auction about 20 million of Boparon's 80 million pound RCF in the 90s. This comes after the company's banks upsized the facility by 20 million pounds in November last year. Now, depending on who buys in, the dynamics of a debt restructuring could unfold in unpredictable ways. Thanks, Rob. That's it for this week's Reorg Europe podcast. We'll be back in two weeks.